Foundation and Bounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. I'm Well and Good Director of Podcasts, Taylor Camille, and here at Well and Good, we talk a lot about movement. And we often have conversations with seasoned runners and athletes alike. And for individuals who have made running an integral part of their daily routine, the question came to mind, what do you do when you can't run, be it due to injury or a well-deserved break? Dr. Victoria Seckley, a physical therapist and coach, is with us today discussing the often neglected value of rest. In a world where running communities often advocate for a push harder, do more, and hustle mindset, Dr. Zeckley emphasizes the critical role of proper rest and strength training for runners regardless of their experience level, and she's shared endless resources on social media, creating a community of like-minded runners who can be assured they're not alone in missing the runs they can't take. Here's Dr. Zeckley. So I'm Victoria Seckley. I'm a physical therapist, a strength coach, and a running coach. Um, I work completely virtually. I own my own business, Train Smart, Run Strong. Yeah, so I coach runners. I give strength programs. I give run coaching programs. And I love it. It's amazing. Amazing that you can also do that all virtually. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's apparent from your social media presence that you're really invested in helping runners at all levels. And I wondered, when did you start sharing your expertise online? And what's your goal in building this community on social platforms? Yeah, so I started that Instagram account, I think it was back in 2019. um, And it was really the pandemic that kind of launched me more into uh, being more creative on there and trying to reach more of an audience just because, I mean, as we all know, the pandemic made us feel very disconnected. So I really use social media to to continue to stay in touch with, with um, the group that I love working with, which is runners. And my whole, the whole reason I even started my Instagram account is because, you know, as a physical therapist, I was working um, in person in Manhattan and I would often, often see runners who would come in, you know, the clinic I was working at was very close to Central Park. So we got a lot of runners and there's a ton of runners in Manhattan in general. And I just felt like so many runners are just kind of misinformed on um, proper strength training. And there's just so much of a question mark in the running community based on how to do any of that. And I figured uh, an Instagram account would be a great way to share different tips on strength training. And it just kind of grew from there. So my original purpose was basically educating the public, especially runners on strength training for runners. And now it's more just general you know, what's in the research and what can help us prevent injuries and what can help us become stronger, more efficient runners. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's great to have that as a resource. You can go back, you can bookmark, you can share with a friend that you know is in need. And it's just really cool. Yeah. Way to use, use what we've got. So obviously wanted to speak with you because uh, primarily, my colleague Jen Heimlich, who's our fitness editor, was like, "You got to talk to Doctor Victoria. Like, she always helps people with when they don't. They're not supposed to be running." And so, <laughs> I really wanted to pick your brain about some of these 
reasons why people might not be able to run and how you kind of help assess their limitations. Um, so yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first of all, the the running community is a little bit laced in this almost like hustle culture idea where there isn't much information on when to take rest days, how to take rest days. It's kind of a lot of like, here's how to become faster. Here's how to run more. And a lot of it is based on just doing more, more, more. And I think that um, many people forget that it's not just about building. It's also about leaving time for proper recovery. And that mm-hmm. is a huge component, especially when we're talking about injury prevention, which is my expertise. So a lot of it is just having disc- that initial discussion with runners. It's like, you shouldn't and you you can't be afraid to take rest days. Um, you should take rest days. And not only on top of rest days, you should be um, actively recovering and you should be taking that time in order to build. So it really has a lot to do with injury prevention and performance as well. And I think when we're constantly under this impression that it's go, go, go. And if you're, you're not doing enough, unless you're giving a hundred percent on every single run, that's really what gets us in trouble. And I think it, it creates this narrative that um, you're not doing enough. And I think people just can't really, don't really seem to stop until they're forced to stop like with an injury. So a lot of my assessment in terms of um, actually having runners completely stop is, you know, definitely communicating with them and making sure they're uh, we're on the same page in terms of what, what recovery looks like for you. Um, But mainly it's going to be an assessment of pain and really what, what they're dealing with as a runner. So there's only one Well, I don't want to say one because every single person is different and some people really will benefit from uh, true rest for weeks on end. But there's only one specific diagnosis that requires actual rest for a prolonged period of time. And that's when we're talking about bone stress injuries. Um, Mm. However, when we're talking about any other soft tissue injury, that doesn't necessarily require complete rest. And I think that that is also um, a lot of people are misguided and they're told to take a break from running. And that is actually not the most helpful. So a lot of what I do is just kind of guiding runners through um, what works best for them. Sometimes it is a couple rest days. More often than not, it's more just modifying their plan and taking it back a little bit and slowly building from there. Yeah. I also just want to get across too, like a, a lot of this is very nuanced. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it is sometimes tough for me to answer these questions uh, with exact solutions, especially, you know, through a podcast when we're talking about hypothetical situations, which yeah. is why a lot of what I'm going to answer is probably going to be like, it depends because uh, <laughs> it does depend. Like every yeah. single person is different. <laughs> yeah. There's no blanket statement. Our bodies are exactly. so complex. We're all at different points of entry. Uh, and so, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. The other piece of this obviously is the like not only the physical, but also the mental challenges that someone might face when they can't run, especially if that's your habit or, you know, this your practice. Yeah. How do you kind of help clients through that piece? Does that come up in, in your consultations? That is one of the toughest pieces because yeah. I think it's important to recognize that running can be a tool for mental, your mental health. However, running is not a substitute for actual therapy. And that's important when I start talking to runners who might feel pain. And I mentioned, hey, okay, let's take a day or two off. And they have such a visceral response, like, I can't take a day or two off. I have to run. That's for my mental health. I have to run. And 
that's when we start to have that conversation. Like you wait, you have to go for a run for your mental health. Like you're starting to question, okay, is this actually helping your mental health or is this potentially hurting? And I think that is a very difficult conversation. Um, Again, depends on who I'm speaking with. I always recommend when we get to that point and I'm talking to a runner who is like, I can't take a a day off. I can't skip a run or else my mental health is greatly affected. The next piece of that conversation is, okay, is there anything else that you're doing for your mental health? Are you seeking help for that? Are you seeking actual help, not just a tool in your toolbox for that? Because that is way more important. And if you're really focused on your running, your performance, your ability to run, the answer is not, I can't skip a run, right? So we have to really look at that as a whole and be like, okay, what is what is stopping you from taking a day off? And how is that affecting your performance level with your running? I would argue you're leaving a lot of performance on the table then, if that's something mm-hmm. you care about. And you're also kind of just breaking your body down at the end of the day. No matter what sport you play, no matter what activity you do, your body needs rest in order to improve. It's just a scientific fact. There's no way to argue that. So uh, yeah, it would be definitely a conversation about okay, maybe we can talk about other uh, um, ways that we can, you know, improve your mental health. Number one being seeking help from a mental health therapist, which is, um, you know, helpful for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the other piece is you brainstorming, you know, how someone can stay active when they yeah. when they can't do the activity. Well, the, the thing that I tell all runners, and this is for runners who are injured or not injured, it doesn't matter. Finding another hobby is incredibly important. Like you yeah. can't just have all of your eggs in running because it, it that's a lot of pressure. And yeah. again, like running, you know, healthy running, quote unquote, healthy running ebbs and flows. There's going to be Mm -hmm. times when you're running more and there should be times when you're running less and there should be times that you're taking breaks from running. So having other hobbies outside of running is incredibly important, whether that's reading books or maybe it is another activity like cycling or something that's alongside running, but relying on running as your number one hobby and the only thing that you look forward to is really not a healthy way to look at running um, Mm -hmm. from an injury perspective, a performance perspective, and a mental health perspective. So I urge anyone who feels like running is their thing and they identify as a runner. Look, we we all identify as runners. That's a fantastic thing. But having something else is also incredibly important. And I would argue even can make your running take you to the next level with that, mm-hmm. just to have something else going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a runner um, this week who was talking about, you know, she's been running since she was 13 and now she's 33. And it's like, okay, your body's different and your goals yeah. are different and yep. you need rest periods and that's okay. It doesn't mean that yeah. you're, you know, you're not a runner. You're still a yeah. runner. You just have to make adjustments. So yeah, yeah. it's great to hear it reinforced. <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about running specifically and what mm-hmm. running is like as a sport, if you break it down physiologically, like running is very repetitive. It's the mm-hmm. same 
thing every time. It's one foot in front of the other. You're going through kind of the same motions. Yes, you might vary with pace and, and different things like that. But ultimately, it's the same type of movement, right? So when we think of it that way, we have to also recognize like as human beings, as three-dimensional human beings, our bodies really like variety. Like they like to do different things, not just the same repetitive thing every time. So if what I had just mentioned doesn't really hit home, I want at least that to hit home. It's like for your own health, physical yeah. health, like your body really needs variety, something outside of that. Um, and that's when I have the conversation with a lot of runners of like strength training can be that for you and going through these seasons of, hey, maybe you're running a lot in this time frame. Maybe you have a race on the calendar that you're working towards. But then after that, maybe we have planned rest from running and we're focused on strength training or you're focused on cycling and having Planning that into your calendar is a really good way to make sure you add that variety, which will ultimately improve your performance in your running as well. Right, exactly. Obviously, it's different for everyone, but do you find that they're maybe missing like the cardiovascular like health or like what do you feel like they're missing when running is taken away for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, you know, if 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 you're if you're injured and for whatever reason you're not running um first of all always ask yourself you know uh maybe maybe this is your body trying to tell you okay it's time for an off season or a little bit of a break from cardiovascular activities but yeah, yeah. that is the main thing that you are going to quote unquote lose from just kind of stopping running and not picking up anything else. And there are several ways you can improve your cardiovascular base that doesn't have to be from running. Like I mentioned, cycling is a big one. Right. Cross-country skiing is a big one. <laughs> Swimming is a big one. Um, yeah. Anything that kind of elevates your heart rate that gets you, or even elliptical can do that. So those are other options for runners who might be injured, but they do have a race on the calendar and they can't really afford to lose that cardiovascular base. Not all hope is lost. There are many other ways that you can build that and still stay on track. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned strength training as sort of like a process for rehabilitation. Are there mm -hmm. any like specific muscle groups? Obviously, person by person, but what's kind of your, your take there? Yeah, I mean, we have to understand what running is asking from us, from our bodies specifically. So when your foot hits the ground, mm -hmm. um, you know, your foot is the first thing to hit the ground. Your ankle has to be very stable. Your knee joint has to be stable. Your hip joint has to be stable. And this word stability is probably the most important word slash one that I use in conversation very frequently, because really that's what it's about. When you are landing from a jump, because that's basically what running is, you're, you're, jumping from one foot to the next, your body has to be stable in order to support yourself and then to, and then have power to push you to the next step, right? So when we're looking at that, we're looking at really hip stability, knee stability, and ankle stability. And what brings stability to our joints, our muscular system. And that's really what strength training can do for runners is help improve your body's ability to stabilize and then also to generate force so that you can become a more powerful, more efficient runner, which most people want to do. But not only that, from the injury prevention side of things, you'll be able to um, basically ask more from your body without it feeling like it's doing too much on your run. And this is when I think some mm -hmm. people get a little bit confused. They're like, oh, but 
I run long distances. Like my body is getting stronger from running. And that is true to a point. Um, but there is something behind, you know, specifically how a muscle works that requires true strength training. And when we're talking about strength training, we're talking about progressively loading a muscle um, through things like weights, through things like, you know, challenging exercises, and goes back to that idea that I mentioned earlier, like running is very rhythmic, it's kind of the same thing, one after the other, our bodies really like the variety, and they also need the variety that strength training gives us, which really elevates us to that kind of next level through strength training. Um, so let's go over the important muscle groups. So like I mentioned, foot and ankle, first thing to hit the ground. So we really want to make sure that we're hitting those um, big stability muscles. One powerhouse from the foot and ankle are your calf musculature. Um, I almost always add an exercise that is building the calf, like a calf raise into any runner's plan. Um, I think that the calf, mm -hmm. first of all, does a lot of work during push-off specifically. So that can really improve your ability to push off and push off stronger. Um, anyone who has seen any kind of like Achilles tendonitis, different things like that can benefit from a calf raise. But then this is where it gets a little bit more confusing. It's like, if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I have Achilles tendonitis, I'm just going to go start doing calf raises. Not really that simple. That's when I say, you know, stop, yeah. seek guidance of a physical therapist. That's not really how injuries work. It could actually irritate your calf muscle. And this is, again, where I see a lot of issue in social media. It's like someone might see like, oh, this post is for Achilles tendonitis. I'm going to try these three exercises. That's not how rehab works. <laughs> like, I wish it was. I wish yeah. it was that simple. And you could just kind of Google your way out of injuries. But every single person is complicated. <laughs> yeah. And that's also why I mentioned, like, I don't treat your diagnosis. I treat you as a person. So there's a lot more to the story. But if we're just talking strictly about mechanics, um, the calf muscle is an important one for the foot and ankle. Then we go up to the knee and the hip, and they share a lot of the musculature there. So we're really talking about your quad muscles, your hamstrings, your glutes. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we can't forget our core musculature. But I'm also going to put a little spin on that, too, because a lot of people think of core and they think planks, side planks. And those are good exercises, yes. But I also like to give my runners more functional type of core exercises. And by functional, I mean, hey, in a plank, you're on your you're on your arms and you're legs, right? So you're in this kind of plank position. Is that the same position you're in when you're running? And you think about it, no, I'm standing up. So doing more standing up, more functional type of exercises. That's why I really like to get my runners squatting and deadlifting. And guess what? Squatting and deadlifting are really, really good core exercises if you are challenging yourself with the weight. Um, that is a little bit more running specific mm -hmm. and is going to get you in the position that is helping your posture, your core, um, and those big muscles there as well. Sorry, I just went on a rant. So stop me. If it no, this is so good. <laughs> so informative. And really, I'm like thinking, I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's, no, it's helpful. It's I'm super ha helpful. Happy to hear that. Yeah. The other piece that I thought about was like the flexibility and the mobility mm. in recovery. Mm. And so, um, what exercises or techniques do you recommend in that sense if you're trying to just be more mobile? Yeah. I love this conversation. Mobility and flexibility are hot topics. Yeah. Uh, they are something you see a lot on social media and. The first thing I want to ask is we have to think about what population we're working with. Mm -hmm. So if we were having this podcast and we were talking about 
ballet dancers. Mm -hmm. This would be a very different conversation we'd be having because we would say, yes, a lot of flexibility and mobility is required for ballet. Yeah. Let's bring it down with running. What flexibility and mobility is really required? Most of the population has enough flexibility and mobility to pick their leg up and drive it back behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people listening to this might be like, that's not true. You need a, a lot of hip extension. That's also not true. If you actively look at the position of hip extension you need for running, it's really not that much. Yeah. Um, and most people have the ability to put their leg behind their body. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, it's, it's something that you most of us naturally <laughs> have. Yeah, you can do it. And again, we have to make sure that we're not making this conversation more complicated than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So what we found in the research is the majority of runners do not need to spend a lot of time on flexibility, specifically flexibility exercises, because again, the word comes up, what do we actively need when we're running? We need stability. Mm -hmm. So flexibility isn't really like, let's start with the low hanging fruit first before we get into what type of, and this doesn't really this conversation isn't really the same for like really, really high up there professional sprinters Mm -hmm. because they do require a little bit more flexibility than the average runner. But like how much of the pop, what percentage of the population is in that category? Very few of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, we can have that conversation a different day, but when we're talking about recreational runners, and I would even go to say professional and elite distance runners, our sole purpose there is not flexibility and mobility. When I give mobility exercises to my runners, I use it more as a control exercise. Like, can you control your hip moving in these different positions? Mm-hmm. Um, and less about like, can we put your hip in a different position? Like, why would we work that way when you could probably already do that during your running? Um, so I think that a lot of us are jumping to conclusions like, oh, you know, my high school coach told me I have to stretch and that's when my, why my hamstring hurts. Is that why your hamstring hurts? Because your hamstring's not like actively getting shortened just from you using it. Your hamstring is most likely getting fatigued from the amount of times you have to push You're through that leg and, it. <laughs> and it requires hip stability. Yeah. And the answer to that is strength, not stretching. There you go. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it's a conversation that I've had many times on my Instagram. Um, I still have a lot of people who are for some reason against the idea that like, I don't know whether they think your foot needs to go behind your head when you're running. Like I've never seen someone run that way, but I guess if that's the way you're running, like, yes, flexibility is important, but the only body part that require that does actually require a lot of mobility is your big toe. Um, because it does go into actually quite a bit of extension, but again, you know, you could probably get that big toe in extension just from doing strength exercises. So mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very passionate about that topic. And I and I know that sometimes it comes off the wrong way. I've just had this conversation with a lot of people who don't who don't really understand the mechanics of running. Well, it's interesting also because yeah, I think we carry those things like you mentioned, like the high school coach who told you. Yeah. And so then that becomes your truth and you literally run with that um through different stages yeah. of your life. And and yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's important to know the other side and to be like, this might not yeah. be, there might be other factors here. I think it's also important to recognize, and I always get this comment on my social media whenever I bring this topic up. I am not sitting here and saying, 
you should stop stretching right. if that's something yeah. that you've been doing, yeah. right? If you enjoy it and it feels good for you and it's part of your post-run routine, I'm all for it. Go ahead. We just have to be honest about why we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to make your hamstring flexible? Like, do you feel, also we know in the research, your hamstring doesn't get shortened from sitting at a desk either. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not a thing, even though that is somehow making its rounds. I, I saw someone on TV say that the other day. We have actual research to support that that's not true. So, uh, you know, and I, and I don't blame anyone who's listening to this and who's like, but I've heard this from my doctor or something like that, because it's still kind of the narrative that's being pushed. But it's not, our bodies don't work that way. Yeah. Like maybe if you sat for seven days without getting up once, your hamstring would shorten. But like contr- actual shortening, contractor of your muscle does not happen from you sitting at your desk for your work day. Yeah. Like just, it, it simply happen. doesn't. Like that's not how our body works. So, um, so yeah, I, it's just, the reason I like to talk about this is I like to just get people thinking. Mm-hmm. Like think critically about actively what you need and then decide, hey, should I really be spending those 10 to 15 minutes after my run stretching? Or is there something I can do that's a better use of my time, specifically spending time recovering, like make yourself a protein shake. Mm -hmm. We know that fuel is really good for recovering. Um, Maybe take an active cool down walk. Our muscles like to move, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe it's just not as intense as running. Um, Spend time on, you know, active, like thinking about how you're going to sleep the next day. Sleep is very important. Uh, You know, there's just a million different ways we could spend that time. If you have the time to stretch and you like doing it, I'm all for it. Most of us probably need to make that protein shake though instead. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great points. Just wondering, what are the common mistakes or misconceptions? I think you mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned a few, but yeah. But when they can't run, um, what do people kind of come in thinking, and how how do you address it and kind of help help them course correct? Yeah, I think the one of the biggest misconceptions when someone is injured and maybe they need to take a little bit of time off running is they really expect to kind of just get back to it mm-hmm. at a at the level they were doing pre-injury, you know, as soon as they can. Yeah. And I think that's a very important concept that most runners have to understand. Like that is not how our bodies work. And we often are going to have to modify um, that, that amount of training and just build back up very slowly to tolerance. Most runners are very happy though. When I say like, you probably won't have to take an extended period of time off of running, it's just not going to look exactly how it did before, most likely, mm-hmm. right? So the modification of the training plan is probably one of the most, if not the most important topics of conversation that I have with my athletes, because there are so many ways that we can still have you running, but let go of the idea that it's going to look the same that it did before. Maybe one day it will, but that might even be a good thing, right? Yeah. Injuries help us learn about ourselves as a whole and can often lead you to even improved performance at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very valid. The conversations we're having sort of in this series, we're looking also about what does support look like in the running community? So mm. kind of wanted to finish on that question of like, yeah, mm-hmm. what does support look like for you when it comes to running community and 
don't know when, I mean, I feel like you support runners in a, in a lot of ways, but yeah. What does support look like yeah. for you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that social media is, is great in, in that regard, you know, following people who promote a healthy lifestyle with running, which means promoting rest, promoting recovery, um, promoting all of that stuff, like, you know, reaching out to people like that on social media. There are a lot of us on there and I'm very happy to see that we continue to grow. Um, I'm sure, you know, if there's a running group that you run with, there are some people that can be very supportive. I think at the end of the day, the running community can be so supportive and such a good place. There are just different, you know, things that some people might feel attached to. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we're moving in the right direction. And social media can be a really, really good place with that. Just make sure you're vetting the people that you're following. Like, do they have actual, actual credentials? Mm-hmm. Or are they just really fast runners who like don't really have any kind of background in nutrition and medicine or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. We talk about all the time, like the, the especially yeah. with TikTok, like people just spewing things and no one I doing know. the research to look if they're, you know, and I'm like, I just I disassociate. Think, I'm yeah. like, yes. I, I think that's, I, it used to really, really bug me. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, all we can do about that is, you know, all I can do is put my head down and continue posting to continue do your work. yeah at, to add the other my, side yeah, yeah to add the other side and that's really again my, the reason for my social media page and i think that the most important thing when it comes to social media is like if someone you who you're following is making you feel weird or not good about your running unfollow them mm-hmm. even if that's me like mm-hmm. even if there's something about me that triggers you that like doesn't help you on your journey of becoming a healthy runner like unfollow them I think that that's super important like social media a is a highlight reel so recognize that as well mm-hmm. um, so when you see all these runners going out and feeling good um, I can almost guarantee you that's not true most of the time um, and especially those who like really don't look into the research um, but those two things are true. Social media is a highlight reel. So everything that people post on there is not 100% true. And number two, use that unfollow button. Yeah. Like protect your peace before anything else. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. What I'm trying to fight on social media is this narrative that runners are weak or runner, like you need to keep going. You need to push yourself more. You need to do things harder. Like ultimately fighting hustle hustle culture which is not good for anyone in any area of their life rest and recovery is important to building and it's important to performance and it's important to injury prevention and we got to get that narrative out there on today's show you heard me in conversation with dr victoria seckley please don't forget to subscribe rate and share this episode was produced by taylor camille and edited and mastered by our friends at edit audio Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiNomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.